as I get set up here, uh, if you're brand new here, if you're just coming and joining us for the first time, as Rob said, we're in, um, we're in part three of a series called Staying in Love, which is all about marriage and all about relationships, and we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. And um, it seems like, uh, for me anyway, this is kind of a, a season in my marriage uh, where all my friends are getting married. Uh, it's just kind of like, you know, you go through that season, everyone you know just sort of starts to get married, and, uh, and I love weddings. Like, I absolutely love weddings. There's always some some really powerful moments um, at weddings, like that moment when the doors open and everyone in the church turns and just watches the bride walk down the aisle. Um, we were actually taking bets on my brother's wedding to see that if he would cry when that happened. Um, he didn't, so I lost money, um, <clears throat> but that's all right. Um, and for me, uh, in the last 12 months, I actually had the privilege to kind of stand beside my brother as his best man when he got married, and then just a couple of months ago alongside one of my other uh, friends as his best man as he got married. And and I love the build-up to the wedding. There's just something about that build-up that I love. Like, it's all the months prior where you start to reminisce and hear about those stories. Like, you, you, um, you know, when you're preparing a, um, a speech and you kind of sit down with the bride and you sit down with the groom and you tell us, hey, what was it that caused you to fall in love in the first place? What, what were those feelings that you had on the first date? And, and if it was a terrible first date, like, how did, they, how did they correct that and how did you start to build on that? And then you start to hear of like uh, the ways in which the guys and the girls, they would, they would woo each other. And, and you start to hear these incredible stories and the characteristics that they love so much about each other. And um, while, while wedding season is great, uh, I often find that what's most important, and, and for those of us in the room who are married, you'll know this, what's most important is not the wedding day itself or what happens after the wedding. And, uh, and I was camping just a, a couple of months ago with, uh, with some friends of ours and uh, one of our friends, he got married, um, well, I'm still young, but he's been married for nearly 10 years. So he got married like really young. And, uh, and we were sitting by the fire and we were um, just sitting there chatting and it was just the two of us and we were talking about his wedding day. And he was kind of going through the highlights of his day and when he saw the doors open, saw his wife walk down the aisle and he was sharing some of the speeches and how nervous he was. And, and um, as we we're kind of going through these highlights, he made, this, he made this kind of comment. I don't really know if he realized that he made it, but we're staring into the fire and and he just said, I'm just kind of confused now, though. And I said to him, like, well, what do you mean you're confused? He said, well, I just feel like we had all this, all this momentum, all this build-up, like everything leading up to this big wedding day was all about us. And then we got married. And I'm kind of like, now what? Like, what happens now? Like, like what's next? And, and <clears throat> I kind of started to think about culturally, um, the Australian landscape and, and maybe even the Western landscape as a whole, I think that we as a culture really have this, that we tend to focus on I do and the moments leading up to I do more than what happens after we do. Right? If, you, if you look at, um, if you look at the, the world and just culture in general, what you'll see is there is so much information on how to have your dream wedding, how to have your dream wedding on a budget, how to have a destination wedding, how to have a destination wedding on a budget, how to get that dress that you want. Like, everyone has Pinterest boards everywhere on, like, the bridal, like, what the bouquet is going to look like, what the table settings are going to look like, what the color scheme is going to be. There's so much emphasis that leads up to this big day. And then if you look at, like, kind of, the, like, what literature is available, it's kind of like there's a big gap. There's the wedding day, and then there's a gap. And then there's a whole heap of blogs and books and podcasts, and they all start to uh, kind of say the same thing. How to get your relationship back on track. How to have conversations again how to have date night again, how to get your sex life back on track. What happens when the kids move out and you realize you've got to start talking to each other again? Like 
all of these questions. And it's kind of like there's just this massive gap that no one's really talking about. And so for us, um, in the last couple of weeks, this is what this series has been about. Because we really believe here at Beyond that it's possible not just to fall in love, but it's possible to stay in love. And it's possible for your marriage and your relationship to get better and better over time. And so um, in parts one and two, actually, I wasn't here, but um, David was up here. And in part one, <coughs> um, David kind of shared around this big idea that if you want to f- um, not just fall in love, but stay in love, uh, you need to make love, pause, a verb. Love is kind of this emotion that we sort of have or this kind of, we kind of label it to things like I love coffee or I love like the mornings or I love sleeping in. And really, this is just an emotion. If we want to stay in love, we have to make love more than that. We need to make it something that we do. And then last week, David um, was here again, and uh, he shared with us in part two that if uh, you want to stay in love, uh, that, that you need a plan. Because falling in love is really, really easy, okay? Anyone can fall in love. It just requires a pulse. But staying in love, that is, that is something completely, completely different. And so um, David kind of gave us some really practical tools that we can begin to create a plan to stay in love. And uh, today I want to continue this kind of conversation. I want to talk more specifically about that kind of gap in marriages and and what happens after we say, I do. Uh, Because something I hope that we can all agree on is this, is that no one gets married hoping for a divorce, right? That that would just be sick if you did, right? Like, who would want to go through all that effort and spend all that money and get everyone in a room just hoping, like thinking to yourself, I hope this crashes and burns, right? I hope that I lose a whole lot of money for paying for this wedding. I hope I go through this emotional heartbreak when this all falls down. Like, no one gets married hoping for a divorce. But we've, maybe you've got friends or maybe you've experienced yourself that, that a shift can begin to, to very subtly form in marriage. Where, where all of a sudden, the person that a woman pledged her deepest vows to is now someone she despises. Or a guy who just couldn't get his, couldn't just keep his hands off this beautiful woman that was standing before him on his, wed- on his wedding day, now doesn't even want to hold her hand in public. And couples who would, who would sit and talk for hours and hours and hours and say, where did the time go and what did we talk about, now are afraid to be alone because they wouldn't know what to say if there was silence and it was just the two of them in the room together. And so no one gets married hoping for a divorce, but today I really just want to ask this question. You know, what is it that causes two people who say, I do, to eventually say, I don't? What is it that, that starts with this incredible day where, they, where, we, where we vow our lives together that eventually leads us to say, you know what, I, I don't anymore. This is, this is not working out for me. And <clears throat> I'm sure there's a psychological term for it, um, but I don't have that psychological term. Um, and so today, we're just going to use the term I've come up with, which is this, stuff, right? There are a lot of specific answers for, for, for perhaps why marriages aren't working well. And, and if you know people who have marriages that have fallen apart or if your marriage... Uh, fell apart, then um, perhaps you kind of can point, you go, hey, there's a specific cause, and I know the cause, and it's because he said or she did, and, but I think there's one general cause, and it's this thing, stuff. And you've experienced the effects of someone else's stuff, and someone else has experienced the effects of your stuff, if you've ever said something like this, where did that come from? Like, where, where did that come from? Where did that thought come from? Where did that response come from? 
where did that reaction come from? And what that, what that sort of does is, it sounds innocent, right? Like saying that, like making that comment, particularly in a marriage, like, well, geez, I don't know where that came from. But really what it sort of says if we, uh, underneath it, if we pay attention, is what it says is, hey, that's, that's not really something that I would normally do. So, so it probably didn't come from me. It probably, it probably came from you. It was, it was probably really your fault or so maybe something you said or you did that caused me to react that way because I don't, I don't normally react that way in the first place. Like I didn't even know where that came from. And if we're not careful within our marriages, what can begin to happen is that stuff that comes out of us, if we don't talk about it and address it, very subtly we'll start to point the finger to our spouse and we'll start to say, well, the reason that I responded that way or the reason that I responded to that text in that way, and you know, the reason that I did blank was because, first of all, you did blank. If we don't begin to address our stuff, we'll always point the finger. Now, to kind of show you practically what that looks like, um, I brought some special friends of mine along today who I want to introduce you to. This is Mr. and Mrs. Mug. Now, I realize that they're cups. Okay, my wife pointed that out to me last night. But Mr. and Mrs. Mug sounds cooler to me. So we're going to run with Mr. and Mrs. Mug. So Mr. and Mrs. Mug get, start dating. They have a fantastic first date. It wasn't one of those horror show first dates, right? This was magic right from the start for Mr. and Mrs. Mug. And, uh, and Mr. and Mrs. Mug, Mr. Mug found out Mrs. Mug's, well, it wasn't Mrs. Mug at this point in time. It was just Ms. Mug. And so Mr. Mug found out Ms. Mug's favorite restaurant and uh, took her there, blindfolded her, took her to the venue, had the whole place booked out, just their own personal menu and their own personal waiter. And from there, the romance builds. Like uh, Ms. Mug at this point was always sending Mr. Mug like cute text messages just to let him know, he's just thinking of you. And and, uh, Mr. Mug was always dropping her notes to let him know and planning cute dates and always thinking ahead of ways that he could serve and uh, let Ms. Mug know that he was thinking of her. And then eventually it got to that point where Mr. Mug got down on one knee, I get, uh, fell over onto the side and proposed to Ms. Mug. And Ms. Mug said yes, so Mr. Mug jumped up and they put the ring on and they got married. And they began that journey of marriage together as Mr. and Mrs. Mug. But then what begins to happen, and, and you, if you're married, you'll, you'll experience this, is, is what they started to do is they started to, to bump into each other a little bit, right? And and all of a sudden, they, they started to bump into each other in a way that they hadn't bumped into each other before. And as they bumped into each other a little bit more, the stuff is, guys always bottle it up, so it's always harder to get out. So all of a sudden, though, their stuff just started to, to fall out a little bit. And what started to happen is Mr. and Mrs. Mug started to look at each other and say, hey, this stuff didn't come out before I was married to you. This stuff that's out here I never saw that before. And, and here's where we need to pay really close attention. Because there is a tendency, just like Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Mug are doing, within our marriages, to say, hey, look at all this stuff. I never saw this before I was married to you. But the truth is, right, what's coming out of them was already inside of them. What's coming out of them isn't new. It didn't just suddenly appear because they got married. It was already inside of them. And the reason that this stuff gets dislodged in the context of a marriage is because a marriage is so different from any other relationship. 
And so you can bump into each other and hit into each other and press on buttons that no one else will because no one else has that kind of relationship with you. And the reason that this is such a big deal, right, is because if we don't recognize that what's coming out of us is what was already inside of us to begin with, then there's a very real tendency to begin to imagine and begin to fantasize and begin to think about, you know what, what would it be like if I had another husband or another wife or that guy at the office or that girl who I dropped the deliveries off to? What would it be like to be with them? Because I bet you if we were together, they wouldn't make me feel this way and this stuff wouldn't come out of me if, if, if I was with them. And there's this very real tendency to blame the other person as opposed to recognize that our stuff is already inside of us. And here's what I want you to take away. If you take nothing else away from today, here's what I need you to recognize. That what's in you is going to come out of you regardless of who's with you. It will be a matter of time if you were to if Mr. and Mrs. Mug were to separate, find a new Mr. and Mrs. Mug and come back together, it would just be a matter of time until they started crashing into each other again. And then all of a sudden that stuff would start to come out because it's already inside of you and it will come out regardless of who you're with. And so in the next couple of minutes, I, want to, I just want to look at how do we deal with that stuff? How do we deal with, with what's going on in side of us and begin to address it so that we can um, have healthier marriages and ultimately stay in love because if you address your stuff together there's a way that you can stay in love and and to to uh to kind of uh give us an insight on how to do that i want to look at what one of the wisest people who has ever lived uh wrote his name was solomon uh he was a king and uh and what solomon what we're going to look at solomon wrote for relationships more so in general but I think we can take it and leverage it to look at specifically at marriages. And this is what Solomon says. He says, above all else. In other words, like get your pens, get your laptops, get your highlighters, guys. Solomon's saying, you need to listen to this because if you don't pay attention to anything else, this is the most important. He says, above all else, guard, protect, keep safe, make some precautions or, or build a, a kind of secure perimeter around this. Guard your heart. I don't know about you, but that sounds a little bit confusing at the very least, right? Because like, it, it's easy to think about like, what it's like to guard maybe your home. You put security cameras up, you put a gate up. It's easy to think of or imagine like, what it's like to guard uh, your finances. You, know, you put it in a bank or to guard your car, put it in a garage or even guard or, or protect and keep your kids safe. But it, it's, it's really kind of a difficult thing to kind of even begin to think about well, why, how would I or why would I guard my heart? Because it's not really a thing, is it? And Solomon says, first of all, he says, here's why it's so important to guard your heart. He says, because everything you do flows from it. Which means all the stuff that comes out in your marriage has an origin and has a starting point. And Solomon would say the place that it comes from is your heart. And so if you want to address the stuff that's coming out of you, you need to go to the place where it begins, which is your heart. And if I could maybe like 
take what Solomon is saying and kind of repackage it, reframe it for the context of, of this series, uh, I would say it like this, that what's inside of you comes out in the relationships that are most important to you. You notice how your stuff never comes out in relationships you don't really care about that much? You, you notice how like if, if ever you're just like signing like for the delivery driver, like your stuff never comes out with them, right? And and. And then you notice like how when you're just getting a coffee off your barista, all of a sudden your stuff never comes out. You never say to your barista, like, I'm sorry, I do not know where that came from. Right? It's only in the relationships that are most important to you because they have access to you in a way that no one else does. And so as we, as we close today, I want to kind of give us two really practical steps, actually, to help us do this thing that Solomon talks about to help us guard our hearts. Because it's kind of this kind of little abstract concept. And they, they are two separate things, but they're really kind of part of, of one bigger thing. So it's kind of like part A and part B. It's going to sound a little odd, but just bear with me. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stop this week. When you get into a conversation, when it gets heated, uh, when you're tempted to say something that you'll eventually later say, where did that come from? I want you to stop, and I want you to think about exactly what you're feeling before you speak, right? If you need to take a time out, if you need to go in the other room for five minutes, if you need to do a lap of the block, if you need to turn your phone off before you respond to that text, whatever you need to do, I want you to take a pause and I want you to begin to think, what, what is it that I'm feeling? Am I, am I envious? Am I jealous? Am I sad? Am I angry? What, am, I, am I excited? What, what is it? What is it that I'm feeling within me? And then I want you to do something that's going to sound a a little weird, and it'll be even weirder when you do it in practice, so that's okay. I want you to name the emotion out loud. Once you've taken the time to to stop and think through it, I want you to name the emotion out loud, right? And I know you're looking at that, and you're beginning like, come on, Chris, like, that's that's a little odd, like, because you're already thinking in your head of maybe, like, a past argument where you're just thinking of what that would look like, where you're kind of like, okay, stop, pause, jealous, it's just like, what? Like, what's going on? Stop, pause. <sighs> envious. Yes, I'm envious that you got that job promotion. That's why I'm responding the way I am. Like, and I, know, I get it. Like, I know that it sounds odd. And I know that it's probably going to feel a little odd when you start to do it. And when you start to go, look, hey, look, I, I need to go in the other room for five minutes. And then I just need to think about it. And then you come out, you're like, I know what the feeling is. Here it is. And then you say, but here's, here's why this is so important and here's why this is such a big deal for us and why it'll help our marriages is because as long as our emotions remain unidentified, they're really powerful. As long as we don't know what we're wrestling with, they're really, really powerful because what happens and the power they have is you, you point at their stuff and you go, hey, this is your stuff. And they're pointing at your stuff going, this is like, look at this stuff that's coming out of me. This never happened before. But all of a sudden, when you can grab something together, and as a couple, you can go, you know what? I really feel a little bit of discontentment. That's what I'm feeling. All of a sudden, that opens up a whole other conversation. Because now it's not you versus them. It's us together identifying an emotion that we're feeling. And it's saying, well, hey, hang on a minute. Why is it that you feel this discontentment? Is it, is it because of something I said? Is it because of uh, the way I've approached something? And, and maybe they say, well, well hey, look, uh, maybe, maybe it's not so much discontent 
Maybe I just don't feel valued. And the reason I don't feel valued today is because, well, first of all, you never sent me that text like you normally do. I asked you to take the bins out, and you didn't again, and this is the third time you haven't done it. And all of a sudden, it stops the finger pointing, and it begins to, we begin to have a dialogue together about how we as a team can move forward and how our marriages together can begin to address this emotion that we're feeling. And here's the thing. Identified emotions, they lose their power. When you bottle it up, when you don't name it, that emotion has power. But the second you begin to bring it out front and center and you talk about it together, it begins to lose its power. And for those of us who are Christians, this is what God was talking about when he said the two will become one. Because when we enter together into marriage, and when we invite God into that relationship, all of a sudden we're saying, hey, we're not two individuals anymore, but we're coming together to work as a team. And the way that we work as a team the way that we love each other actually reflects the way in which God loves us to the rest of the world. That's the power of marriage. And right before I wrap up, this is the final thing I'm going to say before I wrap up, because I know that perhaps some of you, you grew up in a household where there were certain emotions that it was not okay to feel. And there were certain emotions that it was not okay to have and maybe for you, you grew up in a household where it wasn't okay to have feelings at all. You were just told, just suck it up, bottle it up. Don't, you don't, we don't talk about that kind of stuff here. And if that's you, I understand that this week, it will be a real challenge for you to start to name those emotions because maybe um, you don't feel like you should have them. But here's what you need to know. There's no such thing as a bad feeling. There's no such thing as a wrong emotion. There's no such thing <clears throat> as a feeling that you shouldn't be having because what we want to do this week is to begin to identify these feelings so that they lose their power. So that for those of us who are uh, followers of Jesus and, and God is in this marriage so that we can reflect God's love to the world and even if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is just a great thing to do in your marriage because it begins to get you working together as a team. But, it's going to begin with us recognizing our stuff. It's going to begin with us thinking and stopping, naming that emotion out loud and then addressing it together as a team moving forward. So I want to pray really quickly. Uh, and then I want to invite you back next week for part four as we wrap this series up. But let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for the gift of marriage. And as much as it is a gift, it is also challenge and it's also hard work but it's much harder work when we try to do it on our own and lord perhaps there are people in this room today who they've been trying to they feel like maybe they've been trying to do their marriage on their own maybe they feel like that that they've just been pointing out um, the stuff that other people have or that other that their spouse has been pointing out their stuff lord i pray that today would be a moment, a moment for them to begin to have another discussion, that their stuff wouldn't control the future direction of their marriage, but instead they would come together, that they would come together to name and call out loud the things that live underneath the surface, the things that live inside of them, Lord, and that they would call it out and have those difficult conversations, not to, um, 
Not to dredge up the past, not to, to make each other feel shame or guilt, but so they could come together to be stronger, to form a greater connection, and ultimately to stay in love and reflect your glory in the world. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.